Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. That's right, boys and girls. You know where you are. You know what time it is. This is Tyler Chef, and I am the host of the Cashflow Guys Podcast. And guys, I'm going to give you this week the secret to successful wholesaling. That's right. I'm going to talk about wholesaling. I know a lot of you just jumping at the bit. You don't got time for none of that buy and hold stuff. God, you don't want none of those cheap a couple hundred dollar a month paychecks coming in that will set you financially free. You're going to go get rich wholesaling. Well, if that's the case, I'm at least going to show you the easy way to do it so that you don't waste a lot of your time and you can get to the point of being financially free that much sooner. Now, most wholesalers seem wasting a lot of time and more importantly, a lot of money trying to figure out how to do this deal. And here's what normally happens. They go out, they put out some bandit signs, they spend, I don't know, $5,000 in direct mail or something like that. They pound the pavement, they get a motivated seller, they go out, they talk to the motivated seller, they do the Ron Legrand 70% of ARV minus repairs and your fee, you sign it all up, and now you start looking for a buyer. Well, for some, sometimes that works. Sometimes that's quite successful. You find a buyer, everything's great. But most of the time, they fail. And I know there are some of the big-time wholesalers out there that do this very thing, and they do it very well. But understand this, they have a massive buyer's list, Okay. So I'm going to give you some shortcuts to avoid having to get the massive buyers list. So you don't have to email everybody under the sun. So you don't have to beg to get your deals done. And more importantly, so you don't get caught short and have to go back to a seller and say, sorry, I can't close. That's not cool. Now I see people doing different things to avoid getting in trouble as far as not being able to close things like not leaving earnest money deposit. I don't know about your state, but in the state of Florida, and for that matter, most other states that I'm aware of, if you write an offer on a property and it's accepted, there must be some sort of consideration that goes along with that. And by consideration, I mean an earnest money deposit or something of value that's pledged in the event that you don't come through. So don't make that mistake, guys. If your guru taught you you don't need consideration, that's not accurate. I just had uh, somebody tell me that that in the state of Arkansas, uh, they don't use down payments or earnest money. That's just not how they do business in Arkansas. Well, I got news for you. That's exactly how they do business in Arkansas. And that is the basic premise of a contract. A contract is not a contract unless there is some sort of consideration. No, it does not have to be a cash down payment. No, it doesn't have to be a check in, in a title company, although those things are the most common. It could be a promissory note. You could actually give somebody, write a promissory note for a thousand bucks, whatever you want it to be, and give that to a seller in exchange for consideration because that would could be considered consideration. Now, don't take my word for it. I'm not a real estate attorney. That's what I've been told. Go get with your real estate attorney and double check with them so you're on the, the up and up. Now, let's get down to the meat of it, shall we? The reason why most wholesalers trip over themselves and cannot close on the deals and therefore give everybody a bad reputation, that's why wholesalers kind of have a bottom feeder reputation. They're like almost as bad as realtors, if not worse, in a lot of markets because the rate of failure is high. And by failure, I mean not being able to close, not being able to follow through, or just having to be sneaky, shady, or something like that, being kind of a bottom feeder, it's going to get you in hot water in your market. So how do we avoid that? Well, and first first of all, there's nothing wrong with the concept of wholesaling. There's nothing wrong with negotiating something under contract and then assigning your rights in that contract to another buyer. Matter of fact, the Florida real estate contract actually has the provision written in to the what they call the FAR bar, the Florida Association of Realtors contract has an assignability clause. Most contracts are assignable unless provided otherwise. In other words, if there's a cause, a clause in their contract that specifically says it's not assignable, then that contract would not be assignable. Again, not giving you legal advice, double check with an attorney, a real estate attorney in your own state, in your own market. But in the state of Florida, 
they actually write an assignability clause right into the contract. The reason for that is, is that allies allows the buyer of record to assign their rights of the contract over to a third party. Sometimes this is used when the a guy, let's say, goes under contract in his own name, but he wants to close in the name of his LLC or vice versa. Maybe put it in the name of his LLC. And now he wants to close in his own name or her own name. And in that case, you would use the assignability clause. I don't want to get too far down the rabbit hole here because that's all I really have to say on that topic. What I do want to talk to you about is going ahead and getting him under contract without having a buyer. That's a no-no. You see, because you're making a promise in good faith that you're going to close. Well, if you don't have a buyer, a specific buyer that has already agreed to do so for that property, you're kind of walking down an ethical fine line. You're kind of telling stories. You're not being truthful because you don't know for sure that you have somebody that will take the assignability portion of the contract and then close on the transaction. And here's what happens. A lot of you think, well, who cares? Well, I got news for you. A lot of people care. Uh, in Florida, there are state agencies that care a lot and you can wind up getting yourself in hot water. You don't want to be the guy they make an example of or a girl they make an example of. I can tell you that. But more importantly, people get hurt when they when other people don't follow through on contracts. Somebody thinks they got out from underneath their problem. They got this problem house. They want to get rid of it. They trusted you to be the guy or girl to help them get out of it. And then you either overpriced the offer or you didn't do any marketing or you got cold feet or whatever the reason is, you don't close. Now what you create, you take a what was a pretty big problem in the first place for the seller and you make it an even bigger problem because what you've done is you added time to the issue and time can make a lot of problems get worse. So how do we avoid this? Well, we avoid this by first having a buyer. Finding houses for buyers or properties, if you, if you will, if you're doing multifamily or land or whatever, but instead of, go out shopping for people, okay? Find good buyers. How do you get there? Well, you talk to people in real estate groups. Right now, you're stuck doing it on Facebook groups and things like that. Maybe set up Zoom sessions. Go for a cup of coffee. Get to know your buyers. It makes a lot more sense to have a handful of good, solid buyers than thousands of questionable buyers. Reason being is the ones that you know, like, and trust are going to follow through and they're going to close with you. They're going to make, they're not going to really care how much you make. Strangers will guarantee you a stranger is going to beat you up, especially somebody that knows what they're doing. It's probably going to beat you up on how much money you're making off the deal. If it's what they call a civilian, which means somebody who's not an investor and you're selling it to an end user, they're going to have a hard time paying you your fee. So to avoid that even being an issue, deal with solid buyers, people that are experienced investors, people that can prove they have the ability to close. What do I mean by that? Well, what I mean by that is having a proof of funds letter. Yep, I said it. Having them prove they can close. Asking them about the last three deals they bought. What were the addresses of the last three deals you bought? You have to qualify your buyers to make sure they're legit. I'm here to tell you, if you don't qualify your buyers, <laughs> they're going to disqualify you in the face of the seller. I can tell you that. Because a couple of things will happen. If you haven't taken the time to get to know them, like them, trust them, whatever, then you probably do have to worry about them going around you. I've had it happen to me. They didn't get very far. You could try to go around me. I shut you off. You're done. That's it. You're done. And frankly, I'll make sure the whole damn world knows about it. Yep, because you're a dirty scumbag and that's how things go. I'm just kidding. Not really. Anyway, you go out and you find buyers. You talk to them at real estate meetings. You talk to them at meetup groups. You get involved in the real estate community and you find out who are the people that are actually buying. Okay, Who's legitimately going to buy? And more importantly, what specifically are they looking for? I have this wholesalers pound my email like there's no tomorrow. I don't know if they're scrubbing them off of Facebook, wherever, but I get all kinds of junk email from wholesalers. People trying to sell me, I don't know, crack houses in Kansas City. They don't take, they don't, they're just wasting their time. And frankly, they're wasting my time. 
And you might be thinking to yourself, well, why does it matter, Tyler? If they're sending you an email, just don't answer it and we'll focus on someone else. Well, when I get those emails, I mark them as spam because they're spamming me is what they're doing. And what happens is when you get so many people hitting you spam, 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 and don't open your email, it affects your deliverability rate. So you're shooting yourself in the foot right out of the gate by trying to market yourself to people that don't, you don't want you marketing to them. How do you fix that? Well, you focus on finding buyers that actually want to do business with you. How about that? And that means you're going to have to learn their criteria. It's not up to you and I to decide what somebody else thinks the deal is. Let's say you got old Timmy Tulips back in, in the game again. Old Timmy Tulips wants a deal. Timmy should be able to articulate what that means. Timmy, what is a deal to you? Oh, a deal is anything in the state of Florida that's concrete block and is under hundred grand. Well, then he's not a serious player because he doesn't even know what he wants. That tells me he's just fishing. Okay, he's a colossal waste of your time. Even so, I would still go a little farther and say, can you break that down for me? Is there a particular city, a particular zip code that's important to you? You want two bedrooms, three bedrooms, or more? You want single family, multifamily, commercial? What type of properties do you buy? Timmy, tell me about the last couple of deals you did. What did you like about those? What didn't you like about them? How did you go out finding them? How did the flip go? That type of thing. You want to get build rapport and get to know them and get to understand their buying criteria. What exactly are they looking for and get precise as possible. Now, what you'll see a lot of times is people get uncomfortable when you start asking these questions. That's because they don't know what they're looking for. Usually that's what it means. They're not comfortable asking the question, answering the question rather, because they don't know the answer. So that tells me that that's a buyer that's probably not going to follow through with the transaction. Now, you, a lot of folks will say, I don't care. I'll just put the heat on them, get a non-refundable deposit. Well, that's fine and dandy. But at the end of the day, that's a lot of work, guys. I hate to tell you. You know, if you're going around taking everybody's deposit money, whether they're squirrely or not, I'm not saying they didn't deserve it, but I'm saying it's a hard road to follow. It's going to be very drama filled. It's going to wear you out. So how do we avoid all this? Going back to, we find good qualified buyers. Work with real estate agents in your area. They have qualified buyers. You know, a good real estate agent that knows what they're doing gets their fee from their buyer anyway. That's what we do. You work with us, you pay the real estate fee not the seller. Why do we do that? Well, because when we take my fee off the table, I can negotiate with any seller for you, not just the ones that are listed on the MLS. That means in most cases, I'm a better negotiator than most people I've run across. So now I am empowered to go out and save them tens of thousands of dollars on their purchase. So I can negotiate because I can negotiate on their behalf. If you make my commission get caught in the middle, then that's not going to work out so well because the seller doesn't want to pay my commission. Okay. So know that. Another thing when you're talking to these buyers, you should have an understanding that you're, this is a for-profit adventure, which means you're doing this because you want to make money and you got to get money so you can cover marketing to find all these opportunities and put these deals together. That's just reality. You need some walking around cash. Maybe if you're building a great rapport, maybe you become an exclusive bargain hunter for or a house hunter for a specific buyer. Maybe it's a flipper that buys several flips a month. Then maybe they put you on some sort of a commission or a salary arrangement to where that you get paid on both sides of the transaction. Maybe you help them out a little bit on the front end and they'll help you out on the back end. There's all kinds of ways you can structure things, guys. All kinds of ways that you can get your thing. Here's an idea. This is something I used to do years ago when I needed to get to a certain income number when I was trying to quit my job from working in the government. I did. Basically, I called it professional negotiator. I was a hired gun. Yep. That's what I did. I was the guy that went in and negotiated your deals for you. You suck at negotiating. It's not your thing. You're not comfortable with it. Doesn't matter the reason, or you just know that I'm better at it than you. Here's what it looked like. 
you you decide that you want to buy a house to flip. You would tell me that you want a two bedroom, one bed, one bath house in Holiday, Florida. Zip code three four six nine one. You want to be uh, west of US nineteen, and you want to be in a flood zone. Great. So you hire me, and what I do is I go out and find such opportunity for you. When I do, I negotiate the deal down to the where you want to be. Let's say for you to make money on it, you got to be able to to buy it for fifty grand. I'm just throwing numbers out. Okay, let's say it's tore up. You want to buy it for fifty grand. What I will do is I will go negotiate with the seller hard until I get it down to fifty grand. Okay, so if I saved you, let's say twenty thousand dollars on the deal, you would give me twenty five percent of that, which would be five grand. Say it again, guys. Selling this house for seventy thousand, we need to get it for fifty. Okay, I'm going to negotiate the deal down to fifty grand, but in exchange for that, I get twenty five percent of whatever I saved you. Don't get hung up on the numbers. The numbers don't necessarily matter at the stage of the game. What matters is you getting out there and helping people negotiate for better deals. I bet you the majority of the people at your local real estate meeting do not have a clue on how to how to negotiate or they don't like negotiating. It's uncomfortable for them. If you can go out and save them a fortune, then do it. This also works, by the way, for retail deals. Let's say Tom and Susie Homemaker want that cute little house on the corner and that house is priced at $200,000. Well, they don't want to pay $200,000. Maybe they can't afford to pay $200,000. Maybe they're only approved for $180,000. So would it be completely crazy? Would it be unreasonable to go to them and say, hey, here's the deal. I know it's priced at $200,000. If I could get it down to one eighty, would you consider paying me $2,500? Most people with any sort of logic would think that's a pretty damn good deal, especially if they know that they can't get it there themselves. Think about how you could do that. I mean, 25% is not a hard and fast number. Right there, I dropped it down even lower, threw it out at $2,500. Here's the thing. If they already found the opportunity on the house they wanted, and all you got to do is go negotiate the deal for them, well, that's not hard. Go have a conversation. And yeah, you might fail. They might say no. They may kick you out of the house screaming and whatnot. Who cares? You tried. And if you win, you get paid. And it's no skin off the buyer's back. If you don't win, so be it. But at least you go out there and try, guys. Getting creative, figuring out different ways to make money, using the skills that you have that you that are you're good at, or frankly, the ones you need practice on, you want to learn how to be a negotiator, here's a great way to do it. Get out there and fail forward, fail fast, fail frequently. I want to, there's a million different ways you can make money in the real estate business and get your feet wet at the same time. Understand this. One of the reasons I normally don't deal with wholesalers is because they never bother to ask me what my idea of a good deal is. They have no idea what my buying criteria is, yet they go get a, a fourplex under contract and they're talking to me about ARV. I don't give two hoots about ARV. ARV means nothing to me because I'm a cash flow investor. I don't buy to flip. I buy to hold. So ARV has no value to me whatsoever. So if you bring me a deal where you're yammering on about ARV, I'm not paying attention. That's not my gig. When you're talking about, I used your formula that you gave me, Tyler, because I asked you before I went and negotiated a deal for you. And I got this thing under contract. Give me 10 grand. I'm all about that. Make that happen in a heartbeat. But when you don't ask me my criteria, I'm never going to be able to get to a point where I can accept any of your deals. And what that means is, guys, you've wasted a lot of time. So you can avoid wasting time by working directly with buyers, number one, learning their criteria until you understand what they want, and then go out and get them for it. Not to mention, guys, it's great practice. It won't hurt, and you'll make lots of money. Catch up with you next week. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start generating 
multiple streams of income and escape the rat race. <laughs>